Where are you flying into? What part of Scotland? Glasgow. Grant where Morrison's my, wow. backyard. Oh, so, uh, yeah. Where my so Grant, Grant Morrison hangs out. Yeah, Grant's going to pick you up. Yeah. Maybe. Do you think if I... what? So what is the what is the angle, Django? Hey, I'm a comic store owner in the U.S. and I went to Morrison Con and I'm coming to Scotland and I'd love to get a beer with you. I'd love to... Didn't you get to meet him at Morris Canon? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you talked to him, did you? And and on all honesty, I'd rather meet Frank Quietly, or I'd rather get to see Frank Quietly than Grant Morrison. <laughs> Do but... both. Yeah. yeah. Are they both Scottish? Yeah, yeah they're both Grant. from Glasgow. Yeah. yeah. Use use Grant to get to uh, Frank. Message Grant and say, look, I'm gonna hang out with you or I'm gonna hang out with Frank. <laughs> Pick buddy. <laughs> Pick one. Um Pick and one, or I'll see you guys at the pub. And we're getting, yeah, or I'll just run into you at the Poober. And we're staying at the Frank <laughs> Quitely Hotel in Glasgow. Oh, sweet. That's so cool. Comics Place presents a perfectly acceptable podcast, episode 334. Nothing special about these numbers. It's not 333. It's not 335, which we all know is a big, important number. No, this is episode 334. So I hope you're ready to crawl into the most comfortable, cavernous corner of your couch and become one with an auditory adventure that you will tell your friends about for years to come. That's right. Comics. Comics for the week of thanksgiving 2023 comics for the strong of thanksgiving i'm jeff and i'm thankful for these two boys i'm Django, and i'm thankful for al jaffe the creator of the mad folding uh i'm roman and i'm 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 thankful for mad magazine in general alfred <laughs> newman all those guys what the a theme idiots. this week what I a theme alfred this week um that's right you guessed this is a comic book podcast and we're here to talk comics and mad magazine because mad magazine is technically a comic and we like to start our episodes of this illustrious podcast out generally with an audio voicemail from our friend william elmer you too can send us a voicemail uh you know or or a text email all you have to do is write an email or record an audio message you attach to an email send it to jeff at the comicsplace.com let's hear what william has to say Hello and happy episode 334, my friends. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, Happy Black Friday. It's that time of year again where we get hit with all the great American pastimes, consumerism, capitalism, um, excess, gorging, binging, um, which leads me to my question. What's your guys' favorite part of this weekend? What do you guys like to do? What do you like to do in excess? What do you like to eat in excess or or read or shop? Um... Or do you just like selling a bunch of comics? Uh, There's got to be more to it than that, though. And uh, we want to know. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. I want to say I love you, Will. And thank you, as always, for your message on this week of the podcast. That's my favorite part of the weekend. Is is Will's messages. Looking forward to Will's message. I'm thankful for Will Elmer's message. What? do you like engaging in to exit? Well, I'll tell you what, I don't want to endorse drug use. People <laughs> should not do drugs, but I've always really enjoyed being super high during Thanksgiving dinner. Hmm. I uh, don't, I don't really do a lot of 
excess anything. I don't have any real strong Thanksgiving traditions that I'm not willing to break for someone else's ideas or or plans. But um, one of my favorite parts of Thanksgiving or Christmas is driving around downtown and seeing just how dead it is, how there's <laughs> like there's nobody out. It's like it's almost like a snow day, um, but it's just yeah. a normal day. Yeah, that was an awesome part about the pandemic. Like yeah. just the streets being dead and like being out for deliveries for a business and being like, I'm supposed to be on the road, but no one else is. And they're all home. Like they're yeah. actually doing it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got out of, um, I worked today at the, at the museum and we've got our, you know, we've got our Christmas trees up by the different businesses and nonprofits. So I, after I locked the doors and closed other things down, I turned out all the lights and I just took some time to look at all the Christmas trees with their lights on, on, on the three floors. And my boss had already left. And, and so I was the only one in the building. And then I walked out in the back of the old city hall and, and uh, just stood back there and looked out toward Holly and everything and out at the water. And it was so quiet other than, you know, traffic on Holly a little bit, but yeah, it was so quiet. That's Nobody romantic as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Spent a little time with myself. Oh, I know what that looks Okay, led to. Tom Waits. Take yeah. it easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anybody have a Thanksgiving thing they like to watch? A Thanksgiving thing they read? An album? Mm. We're not a, an incredibly holiday festival group of tree, tree yeah, people. Yeah, not really. I mean, my mom and I watched an episode of Black Mirror yesterday on Thanksgiving. Um, Finished The Killer. Watched the oh, movie the Thanksgiving. That was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, you did. Yeah, but that wasn't for Thanksgiving, though. Uh, on uh, Thanksgiving. Actually, last night after I got home from my mom's, then I watched a 1987 slasher set at Thanksgiving called uh, uh, Blood Blood Rage. I'll tell you, my, my favorite thing about Thanksgiving is getting too full and being ready for bed at about 9.30 and then going to bed at about 9.30. <laughs> Never Gendo, happens otherwise. Since our conversation in New Orleans, I've been going to the bed much earlier. Yeah? How's it been going? been going well it's been going nice. well i've i've been to sleep like mm -hmm. at 10 o'clock two nights in the last like week asleep yeah wow uh-huh jeez yeah helping you sleep yeah 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 cool. helping my mornings uh help yeah 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 crazy that's great Good. yeah yeah which you means i need what? this podcast to be wrapped in an hour <laughs> okay <laughs> just well, i guess we just speed it along sorry i had a story but never mind um you guys, uh, kind of a well, big week of comics. Yeah, I, I thought it was story. a joke. I thought it was a joke. Please let me tell you your story. Absolutely. No, no, actually, what? I have I have a memory that I wish I could repeat every Thanksgiving. That's indulgent and 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 um, back in college was at Western. Me and my one of my roommates, Matt, who I went to high school with, Matt Campbell. Uh, we were both stuck in town that Thanksgiving weekend. Um, neither one of us could afford to go home back to Paulsville or anything. So. We're in our crappy house that's now a daycare over by the, the Hagans, actually, the one on the guide. Huh. Um, uh, and we made one of my things I love since childhood was the uh, the Danish, God, what are they called? Danish. They come into one of those brol packs, you know. Turkish delights. You, you, you twist it and pop it open and cook the muffins and then put, <gasps> the, put the, kind of, but they're just Pillsbury. Danish rolls. Okay. They might be Pillsbury, I don't know. Um, but, but you put the, the icing on it and it melts onto the thing. We got like three packs of those, three rolls. rolls. They're not cinnamon, they're just Danish rolls. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we made like three rolls of that. So it's like 25 rolls, I think. And we just ate that, the two of us. And nice. it was so delicious and so gross. And I can never do it, you know, nowadays because it would kill me. But I wish I could. That's what I wish <laughs> I could indulge in. <sighs> God. Orange Danish rolls. That's what it was. Orange Danish rolls. 
That was a lot of fun. <laughs> Thank you. Roman, we talk about what food you eat before the podcast. <laughs> Let's remind our listeners this is a comic book podcast. <laughs> and we're here podcast. to... Yeah, it could be a comic book podcast. podcast about food. Django and Roman, did the two of you read Somna this week? Hell nope. yeah, I read Somna. I Roman. didn't read it either. Django, can you no. tell us about Somna? It, wow. it is it is the main yeah. book in my stack I didn't get to this week. Yeah, a, me. yeah, it's in my stack. I just haven't got to it yet. It's so this a busy is by week, everybody. Distillery. Yeah. Uh, it's the second full story from Distillery called Somna by Becky Cloonan and Tula Lote. Um, this is basically, it seems like... Uh, like a women's lib story from the time of burning witches. Uh, so it's it's this woman who is having very sexy dreams. Like, don't give this comic to your kids. And they're painted very realistically. And there's a lot of hands and panties. And then um, when she's awake, she's got this pilgrim husband who's really good at getting witches burned. And he's very serious and not very horny. And she's having dreams about this devil who's making her horny. And uh, in this issue, we kind of watch her uh, hang out with some of her lady friends and and talk shit on various people in town. All and, the not horny ones. Well, yeah, maybe, Caleb maybe not. down the street like, is so not horny. Yeah, it's it's like that. Uh, but also the horny stuff in here is is really uh, very, very sexy. Um, I, I think it's great. It's a it's a really good. I, hey, hey, I think horny's great. I, I love horny. I'm all for horny. I'm a horny guy. Okay. <laughs> um, she's she's going back and forth between like a painted art style and a line art art style, and it's both of them are very very good. Um, it's and it is both women doing the art, right? Oh, is that what's going on here? I think it's Clunan and Lote, yeah, and I think Lote is the painterly okay. one. Okay, that makes more sense. Um, but they're both great artists. They sure are. They are both incredible artists. Colette bought yeah. me uh, a nice little pocket-sized book of Tula Lote's porn images uh, once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think this is great. I don't think it's for everybody. It's uh, I would I would give it a very hard R, and I'd be surprised if it yeah, wasn't uh, beyond that after the next couple of issues. Um, but the setting's cool, and the, the the creators are top notch. So, do you mind me asking you a question? Uh, you can ask me anything. Okay. How do you feel like uh, the binding sized served this issue? Was it uh, what I've noticed is with this distillery <laughs> stuff and with whatever the most recent black label thing was, I was kind mm-hmm. of glad that the size existed. Um, and I'm curious if you feel that way or how this how would not feel? be as good small. Okay. Like, I, I think that that's what she said. Uh, I think there were some. No, she said it was the motion of my ocean. Oh, right. Um, right, right. There, there were some. Of those black label books that maybe just felt like blown up comics. But for the most part, for me, I think I've begrudgingly liked the format Yeah, with the content. And uh, this is this, this one continues that for me. Sweet. Well, what would you give it on the old score chart? Give it a seven and a half. And I think that somebody who liked Pilgrim stories more than I like them would probably give it an eight. I, I've got a real chip on my shoulder for Pilgrim stories. Is that a reference to the editor in chief of Distillery? uh no his his name's chip and now i get your joke and it's a pretty good joke (laughs) that's Um, really funny jeff another exciting that's really funny another exciting thing that happened this week was dc comics releasing the first of a six issue mini series called batman off world written by jason aaron with art by doug monkey i'm curious 
Roman, did you read this book? And if so, what did you think about it? I did read it, and I liked <laughs> it. Um, nice. How did you feel about Batman being in space? Well, that's that's fine. He's been in space lots in the in the fifties. This um, is the type of critical inquiry you come to the Comics Place Presents Perfectly <laughs> Sensible podcast for. I was surprised that uh, I didn't. I, this is the first we've heard that he went into space so soon in his career because it's just like at the end of year one, basically, and he's going to space. Yeah, yeah. That, um, Bat, that Batman, he's so formidable. This is Batman in space. But yeah, Django and I talked yesterday morning about, or Wednesday or some some point in the world. this Sunday morning. One. But uh, yeah, I love the idea that Batman in his kind of year one-ish era being like, oh, there's shit that I could learn about in space. Like, that makes so much sense. <laughs> he was going to Tibet and Nepal and cold places and hot places. Of course, he would go to space if he had the means to do it. So Mountains I like valleys. I like that conceit, and I think it's pretty cool. I really like Doug Monkey's art. Um, I will say, I putting Batman in space is maybe one of the least interesting spots you can put Batman for me. Um, mm -hmm. But and Doug Monkey's art, I've said it two times. I really like it, but he does like you know kind of grimy alien stuff really well to the point where like I don't know, this didn't stand out a lot. I don't really know how to describe it. Like, I like Monkey's art. It made me think about, like, Superman Beyond from Final Crisis and stuff. But it, it um, you know, like, all the aliens just look like aliens, even though they all look like totally different aliens. I, I don't know how to describe it. There's a, there's a, maybe I've just seen his art enough now that it's not exciting for me, even though I really like it. But I would it's good. It's like, good. I'm not concerned. He's, he's also got an inker I'm not familiar with on here, uh, Jamie Mendoza, and a colorist, David Barron. <sighs> I think this is a pretty good comic, but I yeah. think that different colors would have made this comic pop mm. in a much different way. Mm. Um, the whole ship is like everything is green backgrounds and Batman's gray and blue against green is like not it, it doesn't jump out. The bad guys are. Yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't have minded some different colors. I love the conceit that Batman realizes that he's learned everything he can on Earth and has to go to space to learn to fight. Um Kind of makes him like Brainiac in a way, right? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. And I'm curious. I mean, we'll get there, of course, but I'm very curious how. And of course, you know, he's a billionaire. So but I'm curious who he got to design a spaceship for him and and all of that. Wasn't it Star Labs um, or was that Superman? I've been reading Star a lot of comics, boys. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I crammed in a lot of comics today and there, Star Labs <laughs> was mentioned somewhere in some comic. I love the fact that this alien race... um whatever the heck they're called, uh, that they travel around in an artificially created um, stellar hurricane, they call it, the stellar storm. And that that pa that page looked really cool. Yeah. Yeah, there are some very cool ideas, and I don't really, I don't have any any complaints about it. I love Jason Aaron. I'm very excited for him to be spending some time at DC Comics and see what he does. These a lot, yeah. Some of these aliens, this main guy looks more like a demon to me than an alien, but... It's been yeah, six I'm... weeks since Wayne Enterprises purchased a prototype long-range shuttle from Star Labs under the guise of developing a commercial spaceflight business. Nice. Oh, there we go. That was yeah, amazing. those billionaires going to space. That was that was a good little <clears throat> explanation. I like all those yeah. little details like that because at first, um, and he explains it later in the story. But at first, I thought there was going to be one of my minor pet peeves with any science fiction is when aliens use uh, Eng Earth English yeah, yeah. terms like. When one alien takes off his helmet, he says, ah, oh, this job, I hate doing this job all cooped up in a helmet. I'm, and I was instantly like, why is this alien who's never been to Earth saying, saying cooped, cooped up? 
Cooch yeah. doesn't mean anything to him. <laughs> yeah. But then there's an explanation later, and I was like, oh, okay, okay, fine. I guess maybe it's not that the art isn't great, but it's just that Batman around a bunch of aliens, I'm just like, I want any of these character be characters to be things that excite me because it's like, oh, it's Riddler. Or like, oh, yeah. it's Joker or something. You know, I'm like, I love the surrounding cast of Batman so much that like, okay, there's a whole bunch here and I'll like them and it'll be good and stuff. And I'm like, I, I want the people I like more than these. Don't get Lobo. Aliens. Don't worry. Oh, we're totally going to oh, get yeah. Lobo. Yeah, he should show up. You're right. Like Jason the... Aaron's probably doing this specifically to write Lobo. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Any of Batman fighting this boxing robot. I know. That's I, such a great conceit. It, it's funny. One of the things that one I, the thing I don't like about um, Monkey's Batman is he's so squat and burly, which that's fine. But his, for, what I don't like is his Batman. His shoulders, like the way they slope from his neck, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you got, know, but it's only obvious in like dead-on scenes or overhead scenes. He's got the really big muscles from like the neck to the shoulder, like the too big right here, kind of like I do. Yeah, Django, yeah. you're <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're, you're built. I'm curious where our scores are going to fall on this issue. Seven point five for me. Eight o'clock for me. Eight yeah, I think o'clock. I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it an eight. Nice, dude. Yeah, they keep. Ch- I'm going to use a word. Uh oh. And it's got negative connotations. Uh, I know it's not. There are a lot of words you know. Churning. Ooh. They keep rutabagging out Batman comics. Churning. And they're mostly good. Girding. Like so many of these Batman books that they churn out, that oh, they yeah. just push curdling, out, that they curdling squirt out, out. Spew. yeah, like spew out. It's mostly pee. You can you can you can talk shit on how many Batman comics there are, but it's rare that they make one that I'm not interested in and excited about when the next issue comes out. I know, isn't that? Yeah, that's true. I mean, every time we get a new Batman book, a lot of times um, I'm like, oh, geez, another Batman book, and then I read it, and I'm like, oh crap, I'm going to read this one too. I know yeah. he's a good character. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Is, is, is he comics most versatile character? Is Spider-Man. that what it is? Hey, Spider-Man? I think I think Bats gets more titles. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Hey, Roman, did you read uh, the new Bat Idea book that came out this week? Inebrio Horse Feathers. That conversation made me want to see a Batman Spider-Man team up book. Oh, um, the new Bat the Idea with Carnage and Joker. I know. Oh, that's right. And that was awful. <laughs> it was um, awfully awesome. Is the one with the uh, ribbed muscles on the cover? Yeah, the, the embossed cover. Yeah. yeah. Oh God, who wrote that? I think um, Bagley did the art. Yeah, those are Bagley pecs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I did. I did read the bad idea, the inebrio horse feathers. How was it? Bad idea. We tried to no longer be in bed with you, and you sent us these anyways. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was fun. I mean, I I read it mainly. I because I saw it was Tony Millionaire, and I like Tony Millionaire stuff. Mm-hmm. Even in, and it's always just crazy, absurd, goofy fun stuff and that's what this was doesn't make any sense um i was a little disappointed that drinky crow isn't a main character but i think he is part of the crew um it was fun his art is so gorgeous like how do you even describe it it's just highly detailed while not being like the jeff darrow level of highly detailed but all these Mm -hmm. really thick ink lines that are just like really gratifying to look at like there seems like saturated but the colors are all kind of like flat and muted but highly detailed i don't know it's just very gratifying yeah and it gets there's some weirdness like almost basil wolverton weirdness like they have a the crew of this this galleon ends up underwater and steals a clamshell to get to for shelter and the clam guy comes after him but he's this hideous thing that has nothing i mean you would never think clam when you look at this thing but you know, he had to have a, the artist had to have a way to get this clam onto land and walking around. So 
came up with this horrible clamp monster. Does it have like Django? What what is it about? It's just about like <laughs> a like a ship full of drunk pirates and uh, their ridiculous adventures. It's it's almost. I kept thinking that each page could maybe be its own cartoon, but it it can't be. There's there's more of a story from page to page, but like mm-hmm. there's three pages after one of the characters drinks uh, a glass of half wine, half bleach. <laughs> he, uh, we get three pages of his oh, stomach and his whoa. kidneys, like trying to deal with it. <laughs> and I then like it. we get to see like one little drop of this stuff, get out of his butthole. And then he catches on fire on his butt and like <laughs> shoots off like a rocket. It's kind it's, of a fart joke. It's kind of a fart joke, but it's like, you know, like the stomach gets on the phone. He's like kidney or the liver kidneys. This is the liver. The bottom of the stomach is given away and there's a whole load coming directly. I'm swamped up here. You got to help me. <laughs> And the kidneys are like, are you nuts? My brother's dead and I'm up to my neck in that last night's hooch. Oh. He's like, all right, I'm going to send half of it down. I, I'll, I'll, half to the rectum, half to the bladder. Um, yeah, it's it's funny. It's stupid. Um, I, I don't know that it is. Uh, I don't know, Roman. Do you think it's the kind of comic that is really needed or collectible? Like, could, could <laughs> it, it, it could only really be collected in like a Tony Millionaire collection, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I don't know if somehow Tony Millionaire ever, ever was in, made a hit Netflix series or something, his comics would become collectible. Dude, I would um, love to see. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. Yeah, this, I mean, I just, like, a cartoon from this guy would be awesome. Oh, yeah. And, you know, one of my favorite things, and it's so dumb, but one of my favorite things in Tony Millionaire comics, he always has at least one alcoholic character, and his sound effect for drinking, it, it's always... Duke, 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 Duke. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. It's so perfect. Uh, well, what would you give it, Roman, if you had to uh, if you had to give Inebrio Horse Feathers number one a score? Oh, I definitely a nine. Ooh. I mean, Tony Millionaire really works for me. I, I, I love his stuff. And there's actually a second, uh, a pretty long backup story in here. Um, but I think yeah, it's pretty it was, good. It's, uh, I didn't, yeah. I didn't. I didn't love it, but I thought it was pretty solid. Um, I think. But, oh, it was it was Mike Carey. I think. Oh, you love Mike Carey. <laughs> we read um, like three pages of it. I think that uh, the bad idea early wave one that had hit Tony Millionaire as the second half of a story was probably my favorite bad idea issue. Yeah. And I think we still have those too. Something Whalesville. about the, the Whalesville. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I rated that highly too, I think. Well, I'll give this one an, an eight. It's pretty good, very imaginative, and uh, let's let's see the Netflix show. <laughs> yeah, um, Tony, I think is he a Seattle guy? Oh, I would actually I, totally I, believe. I feel that. like he is. He seems like yeah. a Seattle guy. Well, you guys, I just want to dip in really quickly to mention Carnage Number One that came out this week. Uh, Django has seen it in action. I'm a real big fan of '90s Spider-Man. Uh, and a big part of 90s Spider-Man was the symbiotes. This is the first issue by Torin Gronbeck, a woman I learned yesterday when I sent her a message, uh, with art by Perez, or Pere Perez. That's almost the same name on first and last. Um, the reason this is interesting is that previously in Carnage, he's been like a symbiote. There hasn't been Cletus Cassidy. He's been like a godlike symbiote, kind of following up on what Donny Cates did with symbiotes. And all of that is very cool in its own kind of pantheon and stuff. But I, I really like the kind of Eddie Brock's kind of a bad guy and Cletus Cassidy is a serial killer that's a psychopath. And they've both gotten these symbiotes. 
And this one, like, because of what Donny Cates had introduced, this idea of, like, the DNA codexes within the symbiote, uh, Carnage symbiote was able to just kind of, like, look inside of itself at the DNA of Cletus Cassie, and if he can, like, ate a person, like, killed a person, he could sort of break down their physical components and combine it with the DNA that they know of Cletus Cassidy, and they're able to reproduce Cletus Cassidy as an adult um, that I think is kind of like a part of the symbiote. But now you get Cletus Cassidy being a psychopath with Carnage, and he's murdering people. And it's crazy to me that, like, comics are less violent now than they were in the 90s. I guess they less <laughs> violent somehow. Yeah, I mean, like, it makes sense, but all because the 90s are so extreme. But, like, like Carnage was, like, they he would just murder people and there would be blood and he would be a horrible murderer and now they just like can't show that but this gets relatively close to that uh, i sent the writer and artist because i was just like i love that this is like carnage back in the kind of carnage spider-man comics that i love uh so it's good if you like stuff like i do it from that 90s era of spider-man stuff this feels good while being in main continuity but like kind of undoing or sort of hearkening back to the good stuff and, and maybe pushing aside the stuff from recent that's not um something you would super want to focus on like he's just been drawn not even like carnage for a long time like uh, like a very different looking thing um and now what's the title again Car- carnage just carnage yeah um nice issue 31 on the legacy numbering issue one of this mini series i'm going to give it any 0.5 I'm really trying to I'm not even doesn't take effort I'm just really finding myself leaning into like those 90s Spider-Man comics and like enjoying the writing even though it's not great but like I don't know it's like the perfect me as a kid like we're just there's no criteria for like evaluating it at all it's just like reminds me of reading my kid comics well and you that like that was what you were gravitating towards on our Mm -hmm. on our road trip too was a lot of that stuff I stumbled on two issues I had as a kid that I haven't seen since then. And I just had to buy them. And that was exactly what kicked it off. I was like, I really love this feeling. Nice. What were those two issues? What was the story? Uh, the first one was Carnage. It's a Wonderful Life, which I got when I was six years old. I uh, went to a comic shop, asked for Carnage. Like so many kids that are too young to read Carnage comics do to me at the comic shop. And the person working was like kind of confused or befuddled and then went and found looking back at his job compared to mine he probably went to like the new this week shelf and this carnage book had come out he sold it to me but it was super psychotic and like there's at one point a scene of him like putting a swimming cap on and diving into a giant pool of blood with like models laying next to him and i remember being like creeped out by it um so that and then an issue uh it's issue 18 of volume two of spider-man so you know, issue like 460 or 70 or something uh, in legacy numbering. Um, and that was just like, like 10 issues before Straczynski took yeah. over. But it was just an issue that I'd had from the babysitter that was one of the ones that had lost its cover after a long time. But I like could picture the front inside cover perfectly. And yeah, I love Venom. Cool. Roman, anything uh, you'd like to share with us? Um, Whoa, comic books. Oh, my God. What? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, oh, there's scary. the gooey duck. Um, yeah. Uh, well, time for a clam bake, a gooey uh, clam, duck clam bake. bake. We're all clam bake. I don't know how that song goes. Oh, is it a song? It it's doesn't sound like anything to me. <laughs> Elvis movie song, maybe. <laughs> um. <laughs> anyway, about comics. Well, speaking of, it's actually it's even older than the '90s, the '80s. How about the Marvel superhero Secret Wars Battle World? 
number one issue. Yeah, what was that, dude? Please tell me. <laughs> By Tom DeFalco, who I don't remember if he wrote the original. Secret he wrote Wars. the Spider-Man encyclopedia that I had as a child ah, that I would pour oh, over. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys He's know those... why Secret Wars got named like it did? Mm-mm. Why? There was a focus group, and they decided that kids like secrets and they liked wars, so they made a comic <laughs> called Secret Wars. <laughs> I'm totally serious. Wow. Just looking at me like I'm an asshole for interrupting. But uh, do you guys hear that? Clam bake? Yes. Hi! All right. All right. Hey, listen, world, you've got to know. So anyway, nice fade. So tell us about the secret war, Roman. Yeah, how'd it go? Well, it can't compare to that. Jeez. Um, you know what's the my favorite thing about this is it's set between and they even show this on the uh on the the content or not content, it's the title page, and it shows well, two great things. This is the best page in the issue because um, it shows He's Spidey the in the black costume. Cover page. It, and, it, and, it sh- and it shows um, the these are the squares of the little plastic shields that the Secret Wars action figures had. The hologram yep. ones. So in each issue, I guess we're going to have more characters show up in those dumb little shields. Um, but below that, it shows the panels that in Secret Wars number issue, tw- is it issue 12? It's tiny print and I can't read it because I'm old. Yeah, number 12. Between panels four and five, Spidey takes off and he's wants something to eat. So this whole four issue miniseries takes place in the panel between two of these panels in issue twelve. Oh, so were it's there... like the Star Wars comics. <laughs> yeah, were there yeah. was it a yeah. cliffhanger in this one, or is each issue a separate little moment? Like, is there a cliffhanger? Like for sure? Um, no, it's 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 all happens between those panels because Spidey in the original issue is going to take off because he's like, I got to find a snack. I'm starving. Right. And then this four issue series is that's the basis of it. Is Spidey goes for a snack, gets it sucked into this other adventure on Battle okay. World that none of the other heroes know about. And wow. I love comics. I love. And does comics he ever get too. a snack? We don't know. He doesn't get a snack in this issue. <clears throat> well, he's wearing his black costume. That's cool. Um, I like the idea of dancing through raindrops of continuity. Yeah, yeah. yeah so sure. I, sure. I, don't know. I mean, Batman does it. Apparently, Batman went to space between year one and year two. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. was it enjoyable, Roman, or, or did it feel, it, I mean, Tom DeFalco know, is a writer from 20 years ago, 25 years ago, so. 35 years yeah. ago, 35. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He was a big name in Marvel and, you know, the eighties, um, you know, it was, it was enjoyable. It was fun in the way, like reading a comic from 1984 from Marvel would be, I mean, it was just kind of basic superhero crap and. And some of the dialogue is like, oh, God, look at the way they used to write comics. Um, why is Spider-Man like like expositorily explaining everything we can see in the art in the middle of a battle? <laughs> but uh, Hashtag it's like, Falco. is that yeah, he gets is that bad writing or is it writing from the time? Maybe it's it, well, thing. it's writing from the time, which nowadays, you know, especially younger people would be like, oh, that's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. But um, but it was fun because he yes, for some reason he accidentally gets sucked into a portal and ends up on uh is it muscle fine where the frost giants live? Oh, he yeah, has yeah. to fight frost giants. And there is a, a my favorites, one of my favorite scenes is he uh gets slammed by a frost giant and dislocates its shoulder. So he 
webs his hand to the side of a cliff and to get the right leverage so he can pop it back into place. And I was like, well, that's pretty smart. He, I haven't seen that before. He webs his hand there and it looks really painful. They do it from the back and show it from the back. And it's like, wow. And then he has to like punch and bust the ice to get his hand off. Why not? Why not? So yeah, that was cool. It's and, 1986. And, and, yeah. And he ends up in another dimension. Looks very Ditko-esque and eventually runs to the Human Torch. And that was kind of weird because the Human Torch is, I was like, wow, DeFalco, you know that him and Spider-Man are buddies, right? Because the Torch is like really angry and mean to him. Um, and then they're going to go to another realm at the end of this. Well, they got three more realms to go to before Spider-Man can come back from his food journey. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the whole thing, it turns out it's like the Beyonders, whatever his race is, um, turns out uh, some other, for want of a better name, Beyonders are doing this to Spider-Man because they're mad at the main Beyonder because he's a little punk ass bitch and, and is screwing things up. Well, I remember that from the stories in the past that he was like a rogue Beyonder and right, it's kind of a yeah. little dummy. Um, so these guys are doing their own experiment with Spider-Man and this guy making him go through all this stuff. So what do you give it? It sounds like a perfect Roman book because it's Spider-Man going to get a snack. <laughs> um, line, isn't it? Yeah, that's all I really want to know is when did he get his snack? Um, no, no, I, I, I think I give it a seven, seven point five. All right, he, he 7. keeps 5. a jovial tune. Hey, I got an Andrew Carlson voicemail here. How do you guys feel about Ooh, that? Yeah, um, and he pointed something out to me. As of episode three hundred thirty-five next week, he will have been the editor for a hundred episodes. Holy potatoes! Wow. He did two eighteen and two nineteen, and missed a few between two thirty-five and two thirty-three. Says, so it's been great. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Thank you, my dear. I'm gonna friend. I'm gonna Google yeah. uh 100 year anniversary gift. Is that stone? Let's get him a cupcake. Uh, nope, nope. Doesn't go up to 100. Oh, oh wait, wait. 10 carat diamond. Fuck. Oh, jeez. <laughs> okay. All right, you guys. We got a voicemail well, from him, Andrew. Let's get him carrots. <laughs> let's hear it. <laughs> Hey guys, it's Dustin Andrew. Carrots. Uh, just leaving this audio message to put in my two weeks as your editor. Oh no! Um, what? I'm, just, I'm joking. I'm joking. Okay. I just had to start it off with something I would pr- a little that more uh, fun. So, with that in mind, uh, I do want to add a note that uh, as your editor, uh, I don't know how many people listen on the website itself, but. If you do, you might have noticed that not only was last week episode 333, halfway to 666, nice, it was also season 4, episode 69. Nice. 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 So, just kind of an extra special week last week. Uh, But, don't worry, I do have a question along with those nice fun facts uh, that I get to see every week behind the scenes. I want to know... What is your favorite comic that came out this week, five years ago? I know that's an interesting one. I will include a link in my email, uh, along with maybe short instructions of just how to look. uh, Some notables that I felt you would take note of is GoBots number one, Jughead the Hunger number 10... Hot Lunch Special number four, Bloodborne number seven. A banging week. Rumble number nine, The New World number five, American Carnage number one. That's the one. East of West number 40, Black Hammer Age of Doom number seven. 
Doctor Strange, number 8. Batman by Tom King, number 59. Immortal Hulk, number 9. There are a lot of pretty good comics that came out. So I'm wondering what is your favorite that came out this week, five years ago. Have fun with that one. Curious to hear your answers. Uh, Yeah, good luck, y'all. And thanks for always being wonderful humans. Okay, 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 okay. I mean, out of everything he just mentioned, for me, it must have been American Carnage number one, right? Yes. And for Roman, it had to be Immortal Hulk. That's what I was thinking. Jeff, probably either Bloodborne or GoBots. (sighs) (laughs) Probably American Carnage, actually. (laughs) Okay, that's a crazy question. I need to be able to see a list when given a question like this. Django, I, I did the thing that I learned from you where I went up to the URL address and found the part that was identifying Ooh. the page number and replaced it with the one I wanted. You're basically Angelina Jolie and hackers. Thank you. Well, more like <laughs> Halle Berry and Swordfish. Thank you. No, I... Okay. <laughs> okay. Ooh, Betty, page number one. <laughs> I forgot about your love for that. Um, <laughs> mine has to be American Carnage. I can't believe I wasted everyone's time, but American Carnage was definitely it. That... I mean, I don't know that I gave it that score that week, but it's certainly looking back on it. What would have been my favorite? Um, Tom King's Batman would have been up there. But did you get down to the Oni press listing, though? Because Rick and Morty presents Pickle Rick number one came out that week. Roman. (laughs) Pickle Rick. Pizza Rick. (laughs) It's the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, mine's American Carnage. Oh, here's mine. I am Sonia Sotomayor. That's a kid's book. It's that I am series. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was great. Oh, my God. We've spent so many minutes on this question of us just farting around. <laughs> Andrew, please cut some of those farts out. <laughs> fart, fart. Okay, Roman, I've got something very important to ask you, and I think that Django read it as well. Okay. The Holy Roller from Image Comics. Holy Roller. You are a bowling aficionado. I am, and yes, when I realized that the title referred to bowling, I was like, okay. I'm reading it for sure. Django, you read it as well? I read it. I liked it quite a bit. It's oh, yeah. uh, Andy Samberg, Rick Remender, Joe Troman, Roland Boshi, and Moreno Dincio. Django, but Dincio. did you know, do you know Roman's affinity for bowling? You know of this? No. Roman You're a is... bowler, Roman? I like, I mean, I haven't been bowling since the pandemic. pandemic threw you but, off, but yeah. But yeah, but yeah. But uh, the other will... Jeff that's in my life, him and I, uh, Jeff from the museum, the museum archives, him and I used to go bowling every Sunday. Nice. I'm looking forward to our uh, Comics Place staff party, which is going to be probably like four of us at the bowling alley. <laughs> bowling. I told him we should do bowling. Actually, Django had originally suggested bowling, and then I was like, yeah, definitely. We should do a staff party where we bowl. Doesn't sound like me at all. Django, you love a good time. <laughs> Rick Remender and Andy Samberg are writing this book together. It Okay, sorry. I thought I was going to lead into another <laughs> thought from somebody else. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> this is, as you would expect you. from Rick Remender and Andy Samberg, a pretty funny book that's also kind of dark, just a little bit dark, about a kid who goes back to his hometown to visit his dad who's about to die, and he hasn't been there in a really long time because he had some traumatic events as a kid in a bowling alley where he got bullied, and his dad's kind of a laughing stock and um and this guy 
what, what even happens? He kills some people with a bowling ball at the end. He kills yeah. the people that had bullied him as a kid because when he goes back to the bowling alley, they find him and he was like never supposed to come back there. But I don't <clears> know <throat> that I could tell you after this first issue what I think this story like. Is he going to become a super like a crime fighting guy who uses a bowling ball? Part of me thinks that, or like a Punisher kind of character, or is he like just is it a story about a guy coming home again? No, it's probably going to be a superhero. I mean, the cover would indicate a superhero, but also like, I think it'd be more interesting if he wasn't a superhero. I sure think so too. Yeah. If he, if he spent the next three issues hiding out in his dad's basement after he killed some people with a bowling ball, I'd read that. Coming to terms with his relationship with his father and stuff. Like, yeah. 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 Go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, you go. No, Roman. I'm just going to fart out of my mouth, Roman. You, you. Oh go. my God. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't think he's going to be a superhero necessarily, but and also the stuff dealing with because he's Jewish and it's there's commentary here um, about about anti-Semitism and the rise the you know that way that's rising now. Though I don't think this is set quite now. Maybe it is. Um, that doesn't matter. I mean, it's always that's always in America, um, in the world. So yeah, I'm I'm expecting more commentary on that. Um. I hope we get more actual bowling scenes, but I do like the bowling with uh, the bowling balls, a murder weapon. I, I like the references to like other media, uh, like Django you know. just texted me that in page three, panel three, Rick Remender is walking around. It is, is that definitively him? Rick Remender. I did okay. not realize that, but you are hundred percent right. There's like, so, uh, yeah. I was going to say, oh, there's the like guy. Big Lebowski characters in here. Like, it, I do love an artist who just kind of hides real life people as yeah. character is sources that, throughout it. Is that Rick Remender in the hoodie? In the glasses? Uh, yeah, hoodie yes. and the glasses. Yeah. Okay. And then yeah. uh, the character's friend is the kid from uh, Stranger Things, I think, in that red and white and blue hat. Oh, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, and definitely his his lines in that panel are like straight out of Andy Samberg. Like, I heard his voice saying those lines. Yeah, I think the main character is drawn like Andy Samberg when he's an adult. And somebody asked at the store on Wednesday whether this was Rick Remender with Andy Samberg's name on it. And they were like, ah, yeah, who knows how much either one of them actually wrote. But I think you can see Remender's kind of overarching cynicism and you can see Andy Samberg's pretty funny um, dialogue in here. Yeah, I would agree. I think yeah. you get the kind of cynicism and great character development that Rick Remender brings. And I think he has at times a penchant to lean into absurdity in books like Scumbag. Mm-hmm. Um, Captain like, Dingleberry. Yeah, comedic absurdity. And I think Andy Samberg also does that. And I think it's present here, but it's a unique type of absurdity that like I think packages really well with dark, serious stuff. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, you know, that's not a terribly uncommon combination to have in like films and stuff as well. Right. You know, like dark humor. So it, it's an absurd. Yeah. But I, I like it a lot. Um, the, his dad in this reminds me of Judd Hirsch. Oh who, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and that's who I was trying yeah. to think of. And particularly the role I was thinking of was Jeff Goldblum's dad in Independence Day. But uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> but that's, that's who he's drawn as, right? Right. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. But yeah, I'm very excited for the next issue, and I I was excited about this just because of the combination of Rick Remender and Andy Samberg and what it was gonna like, what just to figure out what it could be. And now I'm excited because I actually like the marriage of those two things and think that this is a pretty pretty interesting and funny book. Yeah. 
Yeah, good stuff. I, I'd give it a seven and a half. Oh, give it man. Roma's got an eight. I'm going to go... I'm torn between an 8.5 and a 9, boys. Do it. I'm going to go 9. I'm going to say it. Yeah. Yeah. Django. Yeah. Django, what do you got packing around in that little booster package of yours? Like, by that, do you mean what did I read that I want to talk about? Yeah. I just want to be clear. Um, Is that not clear? I mean, medium clear. I don't think there is New Orleans water. Am I right? (laughs) (laughs) Neither (laughs) of you probably read Rumpus Room, right? Nope. Well, there's a giant uncircumcised flaccid penis statue. Django sent me a picture of it. <laughs> Damn, um, sorry, I missed that. What about Wonder Woman or Superman or Titans or Justice Society? We'll you have any of those 90 seconds. Go. Oh, my God. I read uh, that one about the flaccid penis. I read Wonder Woman number three. <laughs> um, Tom King, you're writing too many words, uh, but your backup story with the little Wonder Woman baby girl robin is very cute and the scene where we get the reveal of wonder woman's jet is fucking cool um i would like to see a little less text superman uh superman chain number eight still great i didn't didn't see myself loving a superman comic written by anybody even williamson but uh i i think this is a really solid freaking comic and uh, the, uh, these two kind of go together. The Justice Society of America number seven and Flash number two. Um, we're dealing with all these characters that have returned after the events of Stargirl. And I I think that this is some really good stuff. I really like what Jeff Johns set up. And uh, I really like how it's paying off in The Flash by Jeremy Adams and Diego Ortigui. Um, Other than that, man, I... I'm not super thrilled with Tenant number six. Sorry, Jeff Lemire, but Black Hammer the End was pretty good. Thanks, Jeff Lemire. And uh, how, how much longer do I have to fucking talk? <laughs> nice. Oh, there's a noise. Nice. Pretty good. <laughs> pretty, pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Do you want to give scores to those books, Django? Yeah, I could do that. I'm not going to be able to enter them on the computer machine, but uh, I would say Wonder Woman, as wordy as it is, I'll give her an eight. Um, Jeff, you mentioned that you have fallen behind on that already. I think it's worth it. Just sit down at the very least, read the backup story in this number three. Yeah. I heard about it. Yeah. Uh, Superman also an eight, some good shit. Uh, great art. Uh, let's see flash and justice society. I'm going to give flash a seven and a half. I'm going to give justice society also an eight and, uh, tenement man, I'm losing the thread six and a half. (laughs) Lowest Jeff wow. Lemire book I've done in a while. And Black Hammer, the end, I'm going to give it a seven and a half. I would like to see a lot more Black Hammer. And I hope that this is just the name of the title, not the end of the series. Um, yeah, that's that's where I'm at with that. Oh, um, yeah. Jeff, if you had a minute and 30 seconds, what oh, would you say? I was going to. OK, yeah, I'm going to send you a picture of your scores. Was Void Rivals this week? Sure was. That book's great, you guys. Um I think this is the end of the first volume. It was alluded to that. There's a cliffhanger or at least a reveal that I didn't fully get. I don't know that we're supposed to fully get it. But yeah, this still continues to be great. Robert Kirkman, two people from two planets, different culture, well, cultures, uh, 
hanging out together, having an adventure, but it's very good and well-developed. And then you get these peppered in of references of things that you know and like. It says Proximus. We must revive Proximus. I don't know if, what that is. I don't know if that's a reference to like Optimus Prime. What Proximus? I don't know. Batman, Superman, World's Finest. This is the second part of Clash of Generations, the return to Kingdom Come. I'll tell you what, this didn't really feel like Kingdom I mean, neither issue has really necessarily felt like the Kingdom Come universe. Uh, but I think it's like the Kingdom Come universe, but before that all happens. Either way... I don't really feel like we've had that moment to like kind of sit and soak in that revelation or, you know, that being the thrust of the story, honestly. So they're just telling me that's happening. And I believe them, I guess, because, you know, I'd be a fool not to believe them. Amazing Spider-Man number 38. I talk about like every issue of the series, but this is so good. Rec Rap, we end this arc about Rec Rap, who just has become probably my favorite new Marvel or DC character in the last year. Just written hilariously and adorably, and it makes me laugh and is dumb, but like, really funny i think uh and you know you get a great time distortion story where parker and rec rapper you know st- I oh i, I don't can't know if you hear, hear your phone. but it's going off oh yeah. man that must worst. make you really feel uncomfortable to have to do that <laughs> uh no it's fine yeah i don't think it is <laughs> i don't think it is i think that you i really think you wish that timer would go off um i give void rivals 8.5 I give Batman Superman world's finest number 21 and 8.0. And I give amazing Spider-Man 38, a 9.0. Nice. Um, I'm going to let you time Roman because clearly my timer is just a a little tiny timer. And when you say Roman, Roman Statler rope, rope guy, Quicksilver photo lab, t-shirt wearing Superman robe wearing. You've got 90 seconds. Go. I'm glad I get a timer that actually I can hear. Um, <laughs> I agree. Amazing Spider-Man. I, it's fun. Um, and I'm, I hate to, I almost hate to admit it. Cause I was like gang war, who cares? But you know, I realized at the end of this, I love those goofy Marvel, uh, mafioso gang leaders, Silvermane and Count Deferi and Hammerhead. And yeah, and something dude. bad happens to him. then. so I'm actually into the gang war, uh, red flash, I won't say everything Django said, but I will point out the cover is Rumble with Robear. Robear, Jeff. Um, oh, I love that shit. It's a big robot cybernetic bear. Oh, does uh, he have also, as big of a tail as I do? No. <laughs> um, also, that world's finest. I, I Yeah, I kind of agree. Um, though it is, I, uh, like, I don't know, year zero or a few years before the events of Kingdom Come, at least. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's Mark Wade writing this, so I was like, okay, and he created Kingdom Pub, so but was somebody it. else doing it, I'd be like, okay, this is lame, but I'm curious to see what he's going to do. Red Nightwing 108, um, that's still just such a fun book, and Nightmare, or one of Nightwing's old girlfriends is Captain Blood, the pirate woman, and he's having an adventure with her on a pirate island. Um, that's not me. A that's a Jeff's. Soothing. That's Jeff's that yeah, a I, I, soothing tone. It is soothing. I, it's soothing. You know what else is soothing? Wow. This whole issue, Dick's wearing like a pirate outfit with a billowy shirt with that's unbuttoned to his navel. Yeah. Pretty hot. Pretty soothing. <laughs> um, yeah. Just imagine well, if it was Bruno Redondo doing the art. Oh, poor Bruno. Oh, and I his... thought you wanted me to imagine Bruno Redondo in a oh, unbuttoned just imagine pirate shirt. Bruno Redondo in a pirate shirt. <laughs> yeah. Um, I give I give Nightwing. Oh, I'll give that an eight. It was a lot of fun. World's Finest, I will give a 7.5. Jake Eric Flash, I will give an 8. I haven't read JSA yet, but I am really enjoying both those books. Yeah, they're they're solid. Oh, I forgot to talk about... Oh, well. Never mind. Titans Beast World. The reprints? Yeah, which I which I didn't know it was reprints when it came out. But You didn't you score didn't? Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, I didn't? No. Oh, crap. 
uh, what did I give that? I'll give that an eight. Nice. Oh, I Would you like the Beast World. World reprints? Yeah, please tell us about the Beast World reprints. Sell those copies because I didn't think they were it, reprints and we got more than we should have. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was the zero issue of this crossover. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, well, I guess it is, but it <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> They're just all reprints about Beast Boy, um, which, you know, it was fun reading these again because, like, I have the issues of, like, the Perez Wolfman Titans. And it's interesting reading this uh, now, so many years later, and realizing, wow. In the 50s and in the 80s, they were also, or at least, well, it, this is Gar's story. Gar, Garfield's so sexist toward uh, <laughs> the women on the team. Um, I mean, make the comment about uh, Starfire's body. It's like, oh, geez. Um, Who's Starfire? I, Starfire, so, the, the orange one. <laughs> so, Roman, you got home, sat down on your couch, got to this comic book, opened it up, saw that it was all reprints, and was like, eh, and we're like, eh, I, I guess I'll read it all. No, I got home and I was like, well, I'll read the first one because it's from, it doesn't say when the copyright is, but I'm assuming it's from like the early 60s. And I hadn't read that before. So I thought, well, I'll read that one and I'll skip over the Wolfman Perez because I've read that before a few times, but I ended up reading it all too. Um, and the and the bonkers, story. man. You're bonkers. I love it. The craziest thing, that early appearance of Beast Boy in the 60s, uh, maybe it's not his first appearance, but it's disturbing because apparently back then they drew beast boy he would change into an animal but he would still have he'd have the natural coloring of the animal but he'd still have his green regular human beast boy face oh weird (laughs) and he could also and he could also become two animals at the same time so like he's a gray torso gorilla with a boa constrictor lower half that's yellow and brown but with his green beast boy face (laughs) wow and it's just freaky i don't know what they were thinking back then but oh I'm glad they changed that. Well, so what do you give this collection of stories? Terrifying. Um, oh, I don't know. I guess I'd give it a seven. I mean, you know, George Perez doing Titans. That's just classic. Jeff, um, we cannot yeah. predict what, what people no. are going to like. No, you can't. Yeah. And there's a backup. And the last story is a very recent story from, uh, I think, from Action Comics. It's that backup feature that had Power Girl and oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Omen. Yeah. And it's interesting that. I hadn't read this before. Uh, I guess those two are doing or have started doing um, therapy for superheroes using like Omen's ability to go in people's head. Um, and they, they, Nightwing shows up at some adventure recently. I think it was the Promethean Reign uh, crossover. Um, Deathstroke, the Changeling were, or Beast Boy were fighting and. I don't know what happened, but somehow Beast Boy got traumatized and got stuck in the form of a little green cow, a little green calf. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds pretty Night- cute. Yeah, Nightwing brings them brings him to them to try and help him, and they go inside his head and they help him, and then he's like re- regains his human form and he's crying, and it says to be continued. Roman, I have two so questions I, for you. I guess that catches you up to what's going on with Beast Boy right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, do you like Rec Rap? I do. He's silly. He's fun. Yeah, and I he's love the way fun. he's drawn. I don't, yeah. I don't. I only want this guy to draw him. I don't want anyone else to draw him. I, I like that when big he, goofy jaw. I like when he comes back and he's like, "You just completed episode like 129 of Rec Rap Story Time Adventure," and like it turns out they've been there for like years, listening to him just nonstop tell stories. Um, love it. And then I, I would, yeah. Oh, you know, I would love it like a one-shot issue of Marvel Team Up or Marvel Two in One with the thing and rec rap 
and Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. And just Rack Rap and Spider-Man driving Ben nuts. That would be great. And then <laughs> Roman, the final panel, the Count Nefarious, like, yeah. there's some shit with him or Nefaria. But then there's this person in the shadows that says, I think it sounds kind of fun. Who do you think that is? Yeah, I wonder. I, I don't know. I I was I stared at that for a little bit trying to get clues in the art. There's no clues. There's no I don't clues. know. I don't know who it is. Me neither. Dang. Okay, cool. Well, Django, anything else you want to mention before we get out of here? I want to mention one thing. Yeah. And I can't decide if I'm excited about it or not. Uh-oh. They just announced a comic coming out in February, and it's happening over Batman 142, 43, 44, oh, yeah, 45. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Joker it's a four-issue story. It's Joker Year One yeah. by Chip Zdarsky, Giuseppe Camincoli, Stefano Nisi, and Andrea Sorrentino. Oh, what do you guys think of that? Well, it says the the Joker Year One revealed by Chip Zdarsky and Giuseppe Camincoli. He described yeah. it as like it's going to have multiple timelines, like okay. it's, it, and it's going to just like the Killing Joke. It's like yeah, and it's going to respect the continuity that has been established, even including like Tom maybe scott snyder's some somebody recently who did something but yeah i mean um, and they Matt even use rosenberg no it wasn't that recent and uh, they even used the phrase uh dancing through continuity raindrops because which was why it was on my mind um hmm. but yeah that's what chip said he's gonna be doing so like kind of dancing through moments and threading moments that have happened together but you know establishing a new narrative i'm pretty fucking excited about it i'm, I'm quite excited about it i so I will remain interested and excited about it if we can have consistent art and a reason for the different artists. I think it's only like three issues, right? I mean, I don't care how many issues it is. They've shown that we can't trust them to keep an artist on Chip Zdarsky's Batman for very long. I would even within a story or even within an issue we've had back and forth. So I I bet that they're locked into that guy having done that, like do those three issues. And I bet he's done it for, or four, I, you know, like I bet he's, I bet he's been working on it for quite a while. I just really hope that I like it more than I've liked. Like all of his Batman stuff so far has been at least okay, but none of it has been amazing. And yeah. I hope that this transcends that. Yeah. If you could give Chip Zdarsky's run so far in Batman a number score, what would it be? Like a seven ish. Okay. It, with a way stronger start than where we are now, I think. I would definitely agree with the stronger For start. Me, I think I'd probably still give it like an eight. Yeah. There was a bunch of stuff I didn't like very much. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's what's on my mind. Roman, you Are got we... any problems with that shit? No, I, I agree. That was seven-ish, yeah. I can't I, remember yeah. how it all wrapped up. But I also, if like the kind of larger question is, you know, do I have feelings about them doing a series that like is going to inherently have to kind of dance through pre-existing continuity? or affect kind of things in the way that that book is going to affect past things for some people like that. It, that doesn't bother me at all. Like just cause he's, they're calling it Joker year one. Like I'm mostly just thinking about the fact that it's, it's going to be like a Chip Zdarsky kind of Joker origin story. And I I'll just take it or leave it if I don't like it. I, I mean, when it really comes down to it, I hate the idea of a definitive origin for the Joker. And that can fuck off forever, and I will absolutely ignore it if they try to give the Joker like yeah. this is his actual origin. I bet they don't. I bet yeah, I don't this is still would. gonna be a kind of a weird, can't discern, and there'll be like three Jokers, so we don't know which one is necessarily which. Mm-hmm. 
Like that that would be my guess. Yeah, if it's dancing through continuity and and I'm I'm guessing maybe it's just me, but I'm guessing they take this whole dancing idea from the the upcoming Joker movie from the title of that. So that's mm. it'll be like that. <laughs> None of it's definitive. And, this says, uh, and can Batman stop a devastating new virus in a future where the Joker looms over him? So it's like definitely set in the current Chip Zdarsky Batman as well. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll read it. I always read that shit. Yeah, you do. You'd read it either way. You'll be reading that shit. You and I are going to talk about it, every issue of it, here on the podcast. If you want to be a part of that discussion, you can listen to future episodes of the Comics Place Presents Perfectly Acceptable Podcast, like episode 335 next week. However, in the meantime, you're going to have to find something else to do, because this episode is over. <laughs> Send us an email, jeff at thecomicsplace.com. You dirty liar. What? <laughs> it was over and I giggled like a child and then you kept talking. I know, wouldn't that have been I a saved really those good giggles. End? I saved those <laughs> giggles, Jeff. Those are for after the podcast.